Uh, it was just a great day all the way around. This last Wednesday, we had Summer Blast here at the church for our kids. Come on, we had, there were a lot of you, there were 30 to 40 adults that volunteered for this event, and then 70-something kids that showed up uh, for this, and it was incredible. It was incredible, yeah. Yeah, you can clap for that. Um, it was a great time to watch the kids dancing and worshiping and learning and then having fun and having activities and things. It was a great time for those few hours that we had them here. And uh, I want to let you know something about Along the Lines of Kids Ministry. Uh, we have a new thing that we've implemented, and uh, if you are aware, then you can just you know, take this and, and be more aware. If you're not aware, we want to make you aware. But there is a new system that we are using to contact you as the parent if your child is in need or if the worker or volunteer back there needs you. And now, moving forward, we will have that on the screen. And so here's what you need to know is whenever you check in your child, that last thing that prints out has a code on it. And that is your family code, and you need to keep that with you at all times. And I know some of you are like, no, I'll throw that thing away because you got my kids for the next hour and a half, and I don't want anything to do with them for an hour and a half. And that is not what we're going for. <laughs> that is not what we're going for. But if you'll keep that little piece of paper, um, we have a new system we've put in, installed, that, uh, that is going to put it on the screen. And so you'll see it up here in the corner, and it'll say the parents of, and then it'll have that code. So it's like four, five, six uh, numbers and letters that combine that's unique to your family. And so when you see your code uh, pop up there, then you'll check that, make sure it's you, and then slip back there and they'll let you know what they're needing assistance with, uh, something to do with your, with your child or one of your children. So I want to make you aware of that so you can be looking for that as it pops up on the screen. And then uh, the last thing I want to make you aware of is our event that we do every year called Super Saturdays, where we give away backpacks with school supplies and and uh, we have snow cones and popcorn and inflatables and haircuts and all of this for kids that we do the first weekend in August. We are still doing that in August on, on uh, Sunday or Saturday, August the 5th. However, uh, we did find out, I received a call and some information this last week that the city of Paris is actually implementing an annual thing where they're going to bring together businesses and churches and organizations from all over the city out at the Love Civic Center to do something very similar to what we've been doing for the last several years. And so they called, and I was able to speak with somebody, and they asked if we would consider being a part of what the city was doing as they're trying to provide uh, all of this for kids all across our community. So uh, they've taken, uh, they have somebody that is, has been behind the scenes working on this, and they have taken every school supply list from all of our local schools, combined them into one, and they are giving those to businesses and trying to get businesses to set up areas to give out these school supplies to kids. We still have all of our backpacks with school supplies that we're going to be able to do, and they're going to have the inflatables and the food, and uh, from what the way I understand, haircuts, um, physical exams, eye exams, all of these things for kids as they prepare to go back to school. And we are excited to be a part of something community-wide that God is doing in our city. So yeah, we want you to, we want you to be a part of it. And so, uh, so we thought, man, let's not do our own thing. Let's, let's link arms with what the city's doing and get behind that and be a part of it. So you can still go on the Church Center app. You may have seen this on there already, but there's a graphic for a back-to-school event, and you can sign up to, to volunteer. And this helps us know how many from our congregation are going to be there to volunteer on that Saturday. It's going to be from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., so a little bit of a time difference from when we did ours, but we're excited about what God's going to do with multiple businesses and organizations all coming together for the same cause um, in unity to just love on families and bless families and bless kids and have some fun together. So I want to let you know about that. 
get signed up on the Church Center app so we can know you want to volunteer, and we, we look forward to serving with you there. Um, so I want to do, I want to pray for another church in our community, but I also want to take a moment in, uh, in this same prayer. Uh, we, had, we had somebody who is a part of our church, been a part of our church for a long time, that came to us and, uh, and, and said, we knew that, that this person's mother had had surgery, and there were some health things going on, but they came to us and said, um, that, that she's at the place now where she's really fighting for her life and, and the family's, you know, struggling and hurting and trying to be supportive or whatever. And I want us to pray. I want our entire church family to pray uh, for this need, but not just that need. Here's what I want to open it up to as well, and I'm going to lead us in prayer. But if you have a physical need or you know somebody in your family that has a physical need, that you're like, man, I could, I could use being counted in on this prayer, and we're just going to join our faith together and believe that God's going to do what only he can do. And so if that's you, will you just, if there's anybody here, even if it's one person and you got a physical need or you got somebody in your life, I know my wife, um, she's got, you know, she needs prayer for physical things going on as well. Many of you are aware of that. Will you just slip your hand up right where you are? This is not to embarrass you, but you just say, man, I got somebody in my life, somebody in my family, something in my body that I've got a physical need. And I just want to, I want us to join together and I want us to pray, not just for uh, we're going to pray for a church in our community, but I want us to pray for each other. I want us to pray for the needs that are sitting right in this room right now. Can we do that? Yeah. So, Lord, we thank you right now that you are our healer, that you are able to do all things. You are more than able. And, Lord, we stand right now in agreement that you're able to do what you said you can do. And so we're asking you right now to heal bodies and touch lives right now in Jesus' name. Whatever physical needs, whatever healings need to take place, God, we know that you can do it. We believe that you can do it, and we're asking you to do it right now. We command bodies to be healed in Jesus' name by the power of your word and the stripes that were, that were put on your back for this specifically. Lord, we just command bodies to be healed. We thank you that it is done right now in Jesus' name. We thank you that for all of the testimonies that are going to come from your goodness, in this way, from your healing power in this way. And Lord, we lift up even this one need specifically in Mary, and we just we, we come to you right now and we ask you to touch her body. We ask that you would heal her right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that, that, that whatever the doctors are saying, Lord, that you would blow their minds. Lord, that you would do what only you can do right now in that hospital room in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you in this building and come together as a community of believers, a body of believers. Lord, we thank you right now for Southside Baptist Church, and we lift up their leadership and their pastor and their congregation. Lord, I pray that they would be about building your kingdom and that you would bless them and that your favor would be on them. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to serve alongside them to build your kingdom together. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. All right. Was anybody ready for the word today? Come on, I said, is anybody ready for the word today? I, uh, I have something that the Lord's put on my heart um, just in the last week and a half as I was just reading, um, honestly, just reading on my own and came across a passage and the Lord started dropping, uh, started dropping these, I would say ideas, but, um, but started just making stuff stand out to me. Um, and I feel like it's a, it's a now word for our society. It's a now word for you, for me. We're going to begin in Mark chapter 7. And I want to start in verse 1. And we're going to read all the way through verse 23, and then I'm going to give you a couple of points today, and we'll be done. And I'm just praying that, that uh, the Holy Spirit, you'll allow the Holy Spirit to do in you what he wants to do in you, and that you'll just be open to that today. So Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 1, all the way through verse 23. 
says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they, they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Don't you love when you read your Bible and Jesus' response doesn't even really answer the question that they were asking, but he speaks right to the heart of the person who was asking the question. He says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe, or you could say set up, your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like this. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. I have titled the message today, and I want to talk to you for the next few minutes on this idea, Inside Out. Inside Out. Now, leading up to this passage, we just read 23 verses Leading up to this passage, it's important for you to know that Jesus, if you read before this, and you can read it in some of the other Gospels as well, Jesus has been violating some of their Sabbath traditions. So the religious leaders are following Jesus around, and they're hiding, and they're trying to catch Jesus doing these things, and they approach Jesus, and they ask, why are your disciples doing this? Well, why are you allowing them to do that? Well, why are you allowing them to do that? And as we talked about last week, we know Jesus would eventually go on to say that the Sabbath was not created for man, Or the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so you're trying to put all of these rules on it when this is meant to be something that's a blessing to you. And so the Pharisees and these teachers of the law, they're watching Jesus closely. And in this instance, they approach Jesus because he has violated their ceremonial washing tradition. So they come to Jesus and they're like, why are your disciples eating food when they have not washed their hands with this ceremonial washing, cleansing ritual that we have come up with. And Jesus answers their question, not even directly to the question, but he starts speaking directly to the heart of the people who are asking the question. 
So I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before, but have you ever been praying about something and you felt like, not an audible voice, but this, this impression in your heart that God was answering your question by speaking to the heart of the person who was asking the question. And you might be praying about something and God, instead of giving you the answer that you would like for him to give, begins to address the heart issue that's going on inside of you that has led you to the place that you are to cause you to be asking this question. And they approach Jesus and they say, why are your disciples not doing this? They're not, they're not, they're not going by the standard of the elders and the things that we have set in place. You're allowing them to go against those things. And Jesus starts speaking to their heart. And here's, here's point number one. I just have a couple of things for you today that I think are important from this text. Here's the first thing, is that we need to hold on to the right things. We need to hold on to the right things. Now, after these religious leaders approach Jesus with this complaint, Jesus, he quotes scripture. He quotes an Old Testament scripture from Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 13. Many of you in your Bible, it probably has a little footnote that says this is what he's quoting. He's quoting from Isaiah. And after he quotes from Isaiah, then he makes a statement that I want us to pay attention to. So I want us to look at this, this segment of the scripture again. Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 5, and we'll just read through verse 9. It says, So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, and their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. You have a fine way. I love Jesus. I can almost, like, I can almost picture myself there and hear the tone in Jesus' voice. It's a loving tone, as it always is. But at the same time, he's saying, you have a fine way of making up your own stuff and letting go of the stuff that really matters. You are letting go of the things that God has commanded and the things that are in the scripture and you are holding on to things that you have made up and things that you want people to do and you have a fine way of letting go of God's commands in order to observe your own traditions. These religious leaders, they had placed a higher value on tradition and I think we could put it in our, in our context today would be over God's word over what God has instructed us or what God's word tells us is best for us or what he's leading us to do. And I wonder if some of us here today have ever done the same. Have you ever placed value on something that really was a tradition above what was actually most important? Have you ever placed value? I just want to go through a list of a few things. Maybe you can find yourself in some of these. Um, sometimes I think we can place more value on church attendance rather than a relationship with Jesus. And the tradition is what we do on Sunday is we go to church. And so we've become people who just go to church because it's the right thing to do. Because it's what people in the South do. Because it's whenever you, like you ask anybody in town, do you, yep, I go to this church. Everybody has an answer for that because it's a traditional thing that we have formed where we just go to church. But how many, how many times do we place more value? And I know I've done this. That we place more value on going to church above an actual relationship with the one who gave his life for us and took all of our sin and took our place and rose from the grave and set us free. And we've placed more value on a tradition. Now listen, I believe that you need to be in church. 
you're here right now. Listen, if you don't come to church, I'm not preaching to anybody. <laughs> there is nothing that I, like, it reminds me of 2020 when we were looking into a camera. You know, it's like, I just sure hope somebody's on the other side of this camera listening to what I'm saying right now because it was chaos. I think there's importance, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, about being together in church just like this. We're learning and we're growing. But we can't place more value on church attendance than we do an actual relationship with the one we say we're coming to church for. The relationship with Jesus is more important. Attending church is a good thing, but it cannot replace relationship with Jesus. I wonder if any of us have ever placed more value on singing songs over true worship. Singing songs over true worship. Have you ever placed more value on singing a song rather than true worship? Have you ever, have you ever done this? You come to church and, and the worship set is going on and, and you kind of like you get a little frustrated or you're kind of like, oh, you know, disappointed because they didn't sing my song. And I wanted them to sing more than able because I need to know that God is more than able today. And when we got to the third song, it wasn't more than able. And so I really didn't even worship because I was so disappointed that it wasn't more than able. And sometimes we have a tendency to place more value on singing than we do worshiping. We put more emphasis on singing songs than we do worship. Have, have you ever been singing a song? Uh, maybe you're driving down the road. Maybe it's in, in a church setting like this. Maybe it was right here and you were wor- like singing a song. We were in worship. We were in time of worshiping through song. And you were singing a song and you didn't even really pay attention to what you were singing. Because it's routine. And sometimes we fall into this trap of it just becoming routine. Well, I can sing every word to that song because I listen to that song on Apple Music or on Spotify or whatever during the week. And then we sing it in church and I get real excited because we sing it at church and I can sing every word to it. But we've lost what we're actually even singing. There's a difference between singing songs and truly worshiping God. And I hope that we don't ever place more value on singing songs than we do worshiping God. Songs are important. They're a part of what we do here, but it's not meant to just be a routine thing. Maybe you've found yourself at some point in your life uh, placing more value on giving out of duty rather than giving to honor the Lord, right? Giving is just, well, I'm just supposed to give, and so I guess I'm just going to give. And, you know, in the New Testament, it says, Paul writes, and he says that God loves a cheerful giver, Someone who is looking forward to the opportunity to give because they want to honor God with what they've been given. They want to honor God in this way. But sometimes, don't we just fall into the, the routine of just giving out of duty? Well, we just serve out of duty and give out of duty. And we're just like, and, and I don't think we need to place more value on the act as we do the heart behind the act. Which is a way that we honor God. We honor God with the first of what he provides for us. We honor God with what he has given us. We're blessed to be a blessing to other people. And sometimes we place more value on putting money in an offering box instead of cheerfully giving and honoring the Lord. Um, Another one I was thinking about that maybe you've found yourself here, you have a tendency to place more value on church attire over heart position. Your heart posture versus what you wear to church. I mean, anybody get up in the morning and you're like, oh, anybody ever, like, did anybody get up today? You don't have to raise your hand. You got up today and you put on three things before you decided on what you were going to wear to church. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. By all means, dress nice when you come to church. Like, put on deodorant, come on somebody. Like, 
wear the perfume, wear the cologne, like do all of those things. Like, like dress up, dress, dress appropriately for church, that's fine. But I think as a culture sometimes, you ever found yourself like more concerned about what you're going to look like when you go to church than your, what your heart is going to look like when you get to church and being able to receive from God? And we come into church, anybody ever had a bad hair day? And you came into church and you couldn't receive anything from God because you had more value on what people were going to think about how your hair looked than you did about the way that your heart was going to look, right? The way that your heart was going to be postured so that you could receive from the Lord. There's nothing wrong with it, but it can't be more valuable. We can't, we can't place that higher than posturing and positioning our heart to receive from God. That's the reason why we come, is to honor Him and to posture our heart in such a way that honors Him, that receives from Him. I don't know if this may surprise you or not, but uh, I just felt like the Lord gave me this this morning, that, that He's not gathering all the angels together to see what you wore to church. <laughs> and I'm not against dressing nice for church. I love, I mean, like, I'll be the first one to say, I like clothes. I like getting new clothes. I like getting new shoes. I like getting new things. But I don't ever want my heart, for, in my heart, for that to become more important than when I get up in the morning on a Sunday morning and I'm heading to church that I'm positioning myself to receive from God because that's the most important thing, right? Um, maybe you've, you've fallen into this before where you've placed more value on being right over loving people. And you're right, but you're not loving people. Now, I do think you can be right and love people, but there seems to be an epidemic right now to where people are choosing one or the other. It's like you're either really loving people or you are right. And here's what I have discovered about being right. Okay, are you ready for this? You can be right theologically and push people away from Jesus. You can be right, and, and you need to be right theologically. You need to be studying your Bible. You need to know what God's Word says. You need to know these things. But sometimes we place so much value on being right that we neglect loving people. And I'm right about this in this argument, but you're never going to church again because of my attitude. And I'm right about this theologically, but you want nothing to do with God because of how mean I am. And some, sometimes we fall into this trap where it's like we, we get in discussions. Come on, we'll call them discussions. We get into discussions with people. And we want to be right. Even at the expense of that person's soul, we will be right. And I think that you can be led by the Holy Spirit in such a way that you can be correct about what you're saying, but be loving at the same time and bring people along with what the truth is and what God's Word says and not just having to be right all the time. There's a difference between being right and loving people. Correct theology is important, but Jesus said that it's our love for one another that's going to prove to the world that we follow Him, not our rightness. And I'm not, I'm not taking away any value from being correct about what God's Word says. I'm not. Now, some of this stuff is non-essential. But I'm not taking anything away from what God's Word says. But man, when you start, when you start falling into, no, I'm going to be right. 
And I don't care if I make you mad. I don't care if I push you away from church. I don't care if I push you away from Jesus. I'm going to be right. That's where the danger is. I like this one. You ever fallen into the, the trap of valuing the types of songs over an attitude of worship? You ever place more value on what songs you think you know, need to be sung rather than responding to the Lord's goodness and faithfulness with pure worship? I was, I was thinking about this and... Some of you, I love, I love our church. I do. I love our church. Because some of you grew up in church. And some of you have known the Lord for like three months. And some of you never went to church growing up. And then you found this church and you're like, I feel like I fit here. And I want to keep coming here. And I want to grow here and I want to learn here. I love that we have so many denominational backgrounds and so many like all this stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And we all just decide we're going to come together and we're going to serve Jesus together. And we're going to be about what God's word says. But there was a time, and for those of you that grew up in church, you'll be familiar with, with kind of what I'm saying. There, did anybody remember when you were growing up in church? I remember this, when there was a shift happening. And it was moving from the hymnal to contemporary. Anybody, like, some of you are like, you know, I've just this is all I've ever known, and I'm so glad that you're here. But there are some of us that grew up in church, and it was like, when we started making the shift from you know, we're going to sing like two hymnal songs and then we're going to sing a contemporary song and somebody brought out the electric guitar and everybody was like, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. You know, I don't think that's a creation of the Lord. I think that's a tool of the enemy to just make it loud, right? And there was, I mean, like the struggle was real. The struggle was real and the struggle is still real. And what I, what I love, listen, I'm not against old songs. I love old songs. I grew up on, on hymnals and those old choruses and the things that we sing. I love them. I love them. I could probably just break out. In, I mean, if we were to start singing one today, I could probably just sing word for word for word for word for word because that's what I grew up on, and I love that. And I was, I was telling Dustin and Andrea, I said, how crazy it was, how good is God that on a day when we're talking about traditions and, and not valuing certain things above the essential things, that at the end of the worship service, we would sing an old song. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. But at the same time, there, there was a time, and, and, some, and sometimes this still is in our heart a little bit, that we think that things need to be done a certain way. And we need to sing songs a certain way, and we need to have certain instruments and not other instruments and this and that. And can I just, can I just lovingly tell you, that's tradition. I love you. Everybody just smile at me right now. Just those that are those that this is the only church you've ever known, you're like, this is, you know, this is great. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't get it. Why is everybody, you know, tense right now? <laughs> and here's the reality. You can worship God regardless of the song. That's right. That's right. Oh, if you want to break out a hymnal book and you want to open it to page 123 and you want to sing the song in there, you can worship God that way. If you want to look on a screen and sing songs, you want to play an electric guitar, you want to have drums, you want to have whatever, like you can worship God to any song. Any song that's glorifying him and honoring him and lifting him up, we can worship to any song. And we cannot put more value on the types of songs that we're singing or some non-essential things above pure worship. Like coming with an attitude of I'm going to honor God and I'm lifting up God. And I don't care what we sing and I don't care how it sounds. I'm not here 
based on how it sounds. I'm here to worship God in this moment, and so I'm going to worship God in this moment. I'm going to worship God. We've got to make sure that our heart is turned toward the things that really matter. Sometimes we tend to fall into the trap of focusing on non-essential things rather than the essential things that God has called us to as believers. And if you go back to Mark 7, these religious leaders that Jesus was speaking to, they had set up their own traditions and things that they wanted their people to do. The people around, this, this is what you have to do. And they had taken the focus off of the commands of God. They had set up their own system and they had taken the focus off of what God wanted for his people. And Jesus speaks right at it. Why are your disciples eating in this way and they're not doing the ceremony washing? And Jesus says, Isaiah was so right when he wrote about you. That you say all the right things, but your heart is far from me. You look religious on the outside, but your heart is far from me. From me, And if we're not careful doing these good things, and listen, I don't think I have mentioned anything today that has not been a good thing. These, are, these can be good things. We intend to, it's a good thing to like care about how we look. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have certain songs that speak to your heart and that God ministers to you. I believe that's a real thing. There are certain songs that we sing that when we sing that song here, it ministers to my heart in a different way, maybe because of what I've been through, what I've been walking through, or what God has shown me, or whatever. And those are real things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about whenever we start to place more value on traditional things rather than the thing. And we start to neglect the things that God actually desires for his people because our focus has become on this. And we need our focus to be on the things that God desires for us. And so if we're not careful doing these good things, it can begin to have more value than honoring and obeying and serving God. Or we become so good at doing all the right things, but not truly knowing the one that we're supposedly doing them for. And Jesus spoke one time to a group of people who were doing all the right things. In Matthew 7, verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. To where, which we would read that and say, evildoers? It doesn't sound like they were doing anything evil. They were prophesying in his name. They were driving out demons in his name. But you know what Jesus says? He says, I, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. You were doing all the right things. My name has power regardless. But I didn't know you. There was no relationship. Like, I, I didn't know who you were. I didn't know you on a personal level. And may we never be people who become so consumed by doing all of the right things that we miss yes. the one that we're actually doing them for. That we have an opportunity to partner with God and what he's doing on the earth and serve and love and minister out of a relationship with him. And may we not miss relationship with him in the midst of doing all the right things. All of these things, they're not the goal. Perfect attendance at church is not the goal. Relationship with Jesus is the goal. We can say it this way that... I. 
we, we want you to be in church. There's something so powerful about gathering together. But here's what I have discovered. Is that when God gets your heart, the desire to do the things of God will come along with that. Amen. So we tend to place a lot of emphasis on being in church because it's the right thing to do. And that's fine. But I hope that God has your heart. Because when God has your heart, then he'll get your church attendance. When God has your heart, he'll get you serving people. When God has your heart, he'll get all of the things that come along with that because he has your heart. And when your heart's turned toward him, then all the things, as he begins to transform you on the inside, all of those things come as a byproduct of your desire to serve God because of your relationship with God. When Paul was writing to uh, some believers, this is in Colossians chapter 2, he said this in verses 6 through 8, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I think that Paul is warning not to fall into a trap of placing higher value on things that people have taught or traditions that people have come up with above the things that Jesus has commanded, the things that the Word of God says. One commentary said it this way, that tradition is not necessarily a bad thing, but when it has more authority than the Word of God, then it is wrong. Tradition's not the enemy. I love tradition. We have Christmas traditions. We have traditions as a church. We have, like, Tradition's not a bad thing. But it's when the value of tradition becomes more than the value of relationship with Jesus or the authority of his word, that's when it becomes dangerous. We have to be about relationship with God and his word. Tradition is not a bad thing, but man-made tradition is what tends to lead us away sometimes from the traditions that God has given us. And the main problem I think that Jesus was addressing is found in verse 8. Mark 7, verse 8, he said, You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Here's what he was telling them. You used to be holding on to the things of God. And maybe you find yourself here that you, you gave your life to Jesus, you, you surrendered your life to Jesus, you were serving the Lord, and you were holding on to the things of God. I'm going to be out the things of God. I want to build the kingdom. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. I don't care how how crazy it seems, I don't care, and you were holding on to the things of God, and you were reading the word, and you were like, man, it says that, so I need to do that. Man, it says that, and I need to do that. And then he's telling these people, he says, but you've let go of those things to hold on to things that you've created. So you've let go of something that God gave you, which is the most important things. So you've let go of that so that you can hold on to the things that you've made up, the things that you've made important, the things that you have started trying to impose on people. And Jesus is saying, listen, we need to get back to the things that matter most to God. We need to get back to the things that matter most to him. Um, I, I don't have an exhaustive list, but I do have a few before I get on to point number two. Just under this thought of maybe, maybe we need to let go of some things that we've set up in our heart as more valuable than relationship with God or his word so that we can begin to hold on to the things that God desires for us to have. And so what commands or what traditions has God given us that we should hold on to? 
I'm not talking about man-made things. I'm talking about what traditions has God given us? What does his word say that we need to hold on to? And these are just a few that I think we need to hold on to. The first one we talked about last week, we talked about meeting together. And this is what I said a minute ago. I'm not telling you not to come to church. We, you need this and I need this regularly, regularly. We need each other. There's something about coming into a building and worshiping together with other believers and walking out saying, man, I know we're all going out together and we're going to minister this week. We're going to love God this week. We're going to, we're going to take God into our workplace this week and we're going to love somebody well. We're going to lead somebody to Christ. And then all of the things that have gone on during the week, we come together on Sunday to celebrate and give honor to God and praise Him and worship Him. This isn't about us. It's about coming here to glorify Him. And there's something, there's something that happens. Come on, you know this. You know this. Something that happens when you get in the room and you're with other believers and you're worshiping and you're in the word together and you're speaking to each other and you're encouraging one another and we're doing these things as we meet together. There's something about it. And I want to give a shout out. I want to give a shout out really quickly to our production team because they have worked really, really, really hard to upgrade some things that we have here so that we can reach more people and minister to more people online. Right? Yeah. And I know, I know there are some people that think that online is not necessary. I'm just not one of those people. I think that somebody may be flipping through Facebook and come across a service and hear the right. I think that God's so good that somebody could hit our page at the right time and hear the right thing that God wanted to speak to them and change their life. I just do. I think somebody could be scrolling through YouTube right now and see this live feed on YouTube and say, I wonder what that is. And God used something through a worship song or through a prayer or through a message that would, that would plant a seed. I do. But what, but what I don't want us to ever do is to, online is, is awesome. And we're glad that you're online right now. We're glad that you're watching. We're glad that you're a part. But man, I don't ever want it to become, to take the place of being in person. Because there's something significant that happens when we gather together. There just is. The next thing I think that um, is important to hold on to is discipleship. And the Great Commission, we know this, we read it all the time, but Jesus gave us this Great Commission. It involves making disciples and being discipled. There's actually even a, there's a ministry that we're working on right now trying to figure out how to best put all this together that is hopefully going to help us disciple each other even better. That there's going to be some systems set in place to where we can actually disciple each other better. And I'm excited about that. And whenever we get all that put together, we'll be letting you know about that and how you can be a part. But discipleship is something we need to hold on to. I think the next one is prayer. Jesus said, you know, we like the part of the story where Jesus goes in flipping over tables. Come on, anybody read that? You know, anybody ever used that in your defense for some situation? You're like, well, Jesus went in and flipped over tables. You know, like... Money changers were in there, and he just flipped it over and kicked them out, you know. Just got rid of them. But you know what he said after that? He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And you've turned it into a place where there's buying and selling and all of this stuff. And my house, my father's house, is meant to be a house of prayer. My goodness, if Jesus said that the house of the Lord is meant to be a house of prayer, shouldn't we be about prayer? I mean, shouldn't there be opportunity to come together for nights of prayer and opportunities in services to pray for one another and opportunities like when you're passing each other and somebody shares something with you to where you stop and you pray or in your quiet time at home, you take a moment every single day and you pray 
for your family and you pray for your marriage and you pray for your coworkers and you pray that God would give you opportunity. Prayer is so important. We cannot let go of prayer. Another one I think is generosity. I think generosity is important. The Bible teaches that generosity is important, that we're blessed to be able to be a blessing. I think worship is a big one that we need to hold on to. Not just singing songs, but worshiping, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. I think servant leadership is a big one. I think being a part, and I, and I always say this often where we encourage you to get on a team. Get on a team. Serve alongside other people making a difference for the kingdom. Get on a team. Serve beside somebody loving on kids and teaching kids or greeting at the door or whatever. But servant leadership. Jesus told his disciples, he said, the greatest among you must be a servant. And he even demonstrated it. He grabbed a towel and some water and got down and washed his disciples' feet. And said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve and to lay my life down. Like that's how I came to serve you. I came to take your place. I came to offer forgiveness. I came to offer right relationship with your heavenly father. And I know you don't completely understand this right now, but I came to do this. And I came not to be served, but to serve and to lay my life down as a ransom for many. That's what Jesus came to do. He set an example to say, you know what? We need more servant leadership. People that are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to serve God by serving other people. Because that's what God's called me to do. I think we need to hold on to those things. We have to hold on to the right things. And then here's point number two, really quickly, is what's in you will come out. What's in you will come out. The Pharisees, teachers of the law, they, they wanted Jesus' disciple to go through the ceremonial washing. We've already read that. Um, before they were eating. Because they were saying, if they don't do it, then it's going to defile them. What they're putting in their body is going to defile them. And Jesus addresses what they're complaining about, and then he explains it in this way. And I want to read this again, starting in verse 17. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he said, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. And I think that Jesus is making the point, he says, whatever your heart is full of, that's what's going to come out of you, and that's what defiles you. It's what's going on in your heart. It's your heart condition. It's not what you're eating. It's not whether or not you've washed your hands. Like the traditions that have been set up where you need to do this and you need to do this and do this. And he says, listen, that's not the most important thing. Those things are going to go into your stomach and then they're going out of your body. But what is important is what's in your heart because what's in your heart, it will come out of you. It'll come out of you. Jesus also talked about this um, regarding our words. In Matthew 12, he says, make a good tree and it's, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What's, it, what's going on in your heart matters. It matters. Um, there was a movie, can we put that graphic up? There's a movie in 2015 that came out. Anybody remember this movie? If you have kids, you've probably seen this multiple times. I know we have. But this movie, if you haven't seen this movie, let me give you just the overall uh, point of this movie. There's a, there's a young girl in this movie who's really the main character. And these are her emotions. 
And so it flashes back and forth to what's going on in her life. And if she encounters a situation uh, in a certain way, then anger steps up to this, you know, board and everything that they have there that controls her emotions. So anger walks up and starts, you know, messing with things or whatever because she's angry. Then in other situations, when something she encounters makes her sad, then sadness comes up and sadness is in control. And there's these little bubbles, things that they put in this little tube, you know, and, and all this, like memories and all these different things. I mean, you just have to watch the movie to get the whole context. But really, the idea is that whatever she encounters, that emotion comes to the front and, and controls what she does, is basically what the movie is about. And she's trying to find joy. She's been through some hard things. She's trying to find joy. Joy's the, you know, one of the main characters in the movie and, and so on. So, but you can watch that you know, on your own time. But I, but I was thinking to myself, there's nothing like some good friction to find out who somebody really is. Anybody ever encountered somebody after you'd known them for just a little bit of time and then you kind of bumped into them or there was some friction or something like that and you were like, okay all right, you know, like, I didn't know that was in there. There's nothing like some good being cut off in traffic to figure out what's going on in your heart in that moment. Anybody ever been there driving down the road? I know we've been driving down the road before, and, and somebody will pull out or somebody will do something crazy or, you know, whatever. To me, it's crazy. They probably think I'm crazy, but to me, I'm like, you're crazy, you know, and, and, and you, you ever talk to somebody who can't hear you? You know what I'm saying? Like, they have no idea what you're saying, but you're talking to them like they can hear you, and you're like, you, you know, and, and, and you know, you use other words than that. But. <laughs> but it reveals in that moment, maybe you've had a rough morning or something going on, and there was, like, that's what was in your heart. And so as soon as you get bumped into, you know, it's like your coworker bumps into you, and they're like, oh, my gosh, like, I didn't anticipate that this morning, because that's what's going on in your heart. What's going on in your heart will come out of you. You know, this is never more evident than when you get married. Never. Because, and I heard somebody explain it this way one time. They had a jar of, of, of pink marbles and a jar of blue marbles. And they said, as long as this jar is over here and this jar is over here, they're totally fine. But it's when the jars start to clash into each other. And then some, you know, like a little bit of blue comes out and a little bit of pink comes out. And we start thinking, oh, I didn't know that mattered so much to you. I didn't know that the way that we squeezed the toothpaste was that big of a deal. I didn't know that you liked the toilet paper coming over the front and I like the toilet paper coming over the back and that this was going to be an issue, right? There's nothing like some good friction. And here's, here's the deal. You're going to encounter things like this in your life. It is inevitable. And when you do, it's not necessarily that other people need to pay attention to what comes out of you, but you need to pay attention to what comes out of you. Because whenever you bump into something or you bump into somebody and this comes out of you, that's an opportunity for you to say, I didn't realize that was in me. I need to take that to the Lord. I need to pray about that. And I need to ask the Lord to do a work in my heart because what's in my heart is coming out of me right now. And we like to point out what other people have coming out of their heart. Anybody ever, you ever pointed out what somebody else had coming out of their heart? It's like, I knew it, you know? You get in an argument, and he's like, I knew it. I knew you were angry. I knew you had anger issues. I knew this was going to be a problem. And it's not an opportunity for you to point out what's coming out of somebody else's heart. You need to pay attention to what's coming out of your heart because what's coming out of your heart is the thing that you can deal with and you can allow the Holy Spirit to deal with inside of you. 
But it's a moment where you need to step back and say, whew, this is coming out of me right now. I don't know why this is coming out of me right now. There must be something going on in my heart, and I need the Lord to do a work on the inside, on the inside of me. I think this is why we can't afford to neglect the essential things that God has said are important. You know, some of the things that I mentioned earlier, not an exhaustive list, but I think discipleship, it shapes you on the inside. Prayer does something on the inside. When you're generous, when you worship, when you're being a servant leader, when you're worshiping together with other believers, there's something that happens on the inside and it's shaping you. And what's inside will always eventually come out because that's who you are. That's what's going on in your heart. So what's in your heart will always come out. And worship team, you can come back and help me in this. When, when Jesus was dealing with religious people who were focused on the outward but not the inward, here's what he said. This is in Matthew 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of, full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to be as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. I wonder if you've ever tried to clean up the outside. Anybody ever knew you had a bad habit, you had something on the outside that you wanted to clean up? But I wonder how many of us have tried to clean up the outside without allowing God to do a work on the inside. This is why I love, I love the fact that you don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. That you come to Jesus just as you are. Because you recognize, I need a Savior. And I don't have to fix myself, and I don't have to get myself together. I come to Jesus just as I am. And then as I follow Jesus... And he gives me his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to do a work inside of me. And listen, it's an inside-out work. When you allow the Holy Spirit to do a work on the inside of you, then eventually what's coming out of you will change as well. But many of us, we recognize that we need things to change on the outside, and so we try to clean things up on the outside. But here's what, I know you know this, and this is so true. When you try to clean up what's on the outside, it's only a matter of time before what you were trying to clean up comes back because your heart didn't change. You didn't allow the Holy Spirit to do a work on your heart. You didn't allow him to transform you on the inside. And see, God is in the business of doing an inside-out work. Let me change you on the inside. Give your heart and your life completely to me, and it will begin to shift things that are coming out of you. It will begin to change your attitudes. It will begin to change how you handle situations. It will begin to change the words that come out of your mouth because you are allowing God to do a work on the inside of you so that what comes out of you shifts. The Holy Spirit's work is an inside-out kind of work. And here's the reality. It doesn't really do any good to try to clean up the outside because what's inside will eventually come out. But when you focus on the inside, what's on the inside will eventually change what's on the outside. And Jesus is saying to these these religious people, he says, you look righteous on the outside. But if people could see in your heart, they would see all kinds of wickedness and hypocrisy. And what does he say? He says, first clean the inside. And then the outside will become clean as well. 
And many of us are trying to change ourselves. And you know this. You really can't change you. God is the only one that can change you. And you can keep trying to patch and cover up and make a habit go away and try harder and grit your teeth longer and stay away from it longer and try to do all these things. And some of those things the Holy Spirit will lead you to do. He'll lead you to get rid of some things and make this change and make this change. But it starts on the inside. It's as He starts working on you on the inside, what's on the inside begins to come out on the outside. It's an inside-out work. We stand to your feet today. I want to pray for you. I want us to always be people and always be a church, but more than that, I want, I want us to always be individuals and families that always place value where value is, is due. That we don't become so consumed with things that we feel like are right, that we neglect the Word of God or we, connect, we neglect the commands of God and that we, we start to give more authority to other things or other traditions than we do the Word of God. And I want us to allow the Lord. If I had one prayer for you today, it would be for you to allow the Lord to do an inside-out work for you. Just like He's always... Listen. Paul said that the God who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It means you're never going to be perfect. But God, as long as you'll allow Him, He's transforming you. As long as you'll allow Him, He's making you more and more like Jesus. He's doing it from the inside out. From the inside out. And then all of a sudden people will recognize, man, it seems like you act different. Oh, I didn't even... And, you, and, and it won't even be like, you won't even say, well, I've been trying really, really hard to act different. No, I surrendered my heart to Jesus and just told him, you do whatever, you remove whatever, you add whatever, you do whatever you need to do in my life. I'm turning my heart toward you. And when I did that, you began working things out from the inside out, from the inside out, from the inside out. And my prayer is that for all of us, myself included, that we would give the Holy Spirit permission to do an inside out work. And that every day we would never be the same. We would never be the same. Holy Spirit, do in me what you want to do in me, and I'll never be the same. So I want to invite our prayer team to come down. I want to pray for you. And as we sing this last song, if you need prayer for anything in your life, we invite you to come down for prayer. This could be your first time here, and it does not matter. We all need prayer from time to time. If you need prayer for anything in your life, and the worship team begins to sing, you can slip out of your seat. Come receive prayer. We would love to pray for you. We would love to pray for you. But Lord, right now, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And God, I believe that in this moment, there are people all across this room and even those watching online right now that are allowing you, they're, they're making the decision to allow you to begin to do an inside-out work in them. To allow you to, to have access to their heart and their motives and all of these things that go on inside of us. Because we want what comes out of us to be the fruit of your spirit. But that starts with you we allow you to work on our inside. So Lord, we give you permission to do what you want to do inside of us today and as we go through our week. And we thank you for it in advance. And Holy Spirit, I pray if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life, you would draw them for prayer in Jesus' name.